Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. You may have heard a few weeks ago Sotheby's announced that it agreed to a purchase offer from the French telecommunications billionaire and art collector Patrick Drahi for $3.7 billion, which is a 61% premium on the last traded price. So what does that mean? Essentially, Sotheby's, which was a publicly traded company, will become a private business. So what does that mean for the auction house and the art market? A lot of people have been discussing that over the last few weeks since the news came out, especially when you think about its main competitor, Christie's, which makes up the other half of the art auction duopoly. Christie's is a private business, and a lot of people believe that private status has enabled it to be more aggressive with things like guarantees and technological innovation, and it's been able to have a different, slightly different business strategy and has had more flexibility because it's privately held and it didn't have to answer to shareholders like Sotheby's has had to do as a publicly traded company. So in this week's episode of the podcast, we're joined by Professor Jerry Wynn. He's a louder professor emeritus and professor of marketing at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. He's also the founding director of the Wharton Think Tank, the SEI Center for Advanced Studies and Management. Additionally, he's a longtime trustee of the Philadelphia Museum of Art, where he chairs a marketing committee there. He's also an avid art collector. So we thought Jerry would be the perfect person to have on the podcast to talk about Sotheby's going private and really what it means for not only the auction house, but the art market. And Jerry also co-authored a book that was released earlier this year, Can Art Aid in Resolving Conflicts? We chat with him about his book. And, you know, on the podcast, we often talk about the art world and the art market, so it was very refreshing to speak with Jerry about the book and really the incredible impact that art can play in society and how it can impact individuals and, as the title says, how it can aid in resolving conflicts. So hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much. Jerry, we really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So Sotheby's had been a publicly traded company since 1988. They've accepted an offer from the French billionaire Patrick Drahi to go private. Sotheby's rival Christie's is a privately held company. What are some of the ways being a public company may have been prohibitive for Sotheby's, especially considering they're competing against a privately held Christie's in the art auction duopoly? Well, being public uh, company obviously uh, require greater transparency and uh, has some uh, restrictions on your freedom to operate. And uh, a lot of the uh, concern, especially in a, almost a duopoly situation where Christie and Sotheby are the two dominant um, auction houses, is uh, you want to be able to match your competitor on uh, especially some of the private big deals like the, um, the Rockefeller collection that I think uh, sort of be lost. Uh, and um, the key to this uh, many times are guarantees and other aspects of the deal that uh, the auction houses uh, signs with uh, the sellers. So by moving from the public eye to being more private, I think they have greater flexibility in uh, being able to compete against Christie and also take a longer-term perspective because, unfortunately, public companies, most of them are still very short-term oriented 
and the advantage of being public uh, private is uh, the ability to take a longer term perspective on uh, the vision of the company and uh, the strategy. You mentioned auction guarantees that should become such a large part of the auction process over the last five or 10 years. So what you're suggesting is, as a publicly traded company, Sotheby's couldn't always compete at that same level as Christie's to try to win over these large properties, which often requires very large guarantees. So essentially, Sotheby's couldn't always match Christie's guarantee offers. And some of that is because of the fact that they are a publicly traded company, and maybe Christie's could take on this additional risk as a privately held firm. Uh, it's definitely a, a one of the considerations here. Uh, being private uh, gives you much greater flexibility. Uh, and uh, while still hopefully they'll have uh, a, the right governance um, for the firm and the board and other ways of uh, controlling and guiding the company, uh, being private does offer greater flexibility. And so now that Sotheby's will be going private, how do you envision their business evolving? Well, it's um, obviously it's hard to tell. I'm not part of management. I've no access to kind of their strategic vision and plans, but um, they have a much uh, greater flexibility in deciding on how they want to compete. They can compete more aggressively. They can move into other areas. They can. They have an incredible name. And while they're using the name in some areas, like the real estate area, you know, may allow them to go into other domains and areas and countries where they're not operating today, which would have been difficult had they been a public company, because then the market can punish them if on a long-term investment because it may affect their short-term results. Now they have the full flexibility of doing almost anything they want to. So in a sense, from a strategic point of view, it provides them, we don't know the direction, but it definitely provides them much greater flexibility and freedom compared to what they had before. Now that we'll have two privately held auction houses that make up this duopoly, how might this impact how they actually compete with each other and consequently the broader art market? Uh, I'm I'm not sure it will... um, uh, hurt or have a major impact on the uh, the large mass market, if you want to, the kind of the typical auction items. I think it will, will have an impact in uh, a probably stiffer competition in the uh, the competition for real uh, prime properties like the Rockefeller and others as they come up. Uh, so I think they will have more intensified competition at the upper part of the market, especially on big estates. Uh, and uh, I think we'll see more innovation coming uh, from both of them because if Sotheby will become more competitive and come up with more innovative solutions, I'm sure Christie will respond as well. So I think we're, you know, kind of as art collectors and observers of the market, I think we're in for a great time. I think it will be uh, really interesting to see how these two giants are becoming more innovative and more competitive. Yeah, as you said, I think now that you have these two privately held auction houses, will Sotheby's be more aggressive with their guarantees? How will that change how they operate? And you mentioned innovation. 
what kind of innovation are you referencing in terms of the auction houses? Is that technological innovation, or what do you envision there? I think technological innovation definitely uh, will see more of it uh, to the extent they'll start using um, more augmented reality, virtual reality, and trying to uh, communicate. Uh, I think we'll see more of use of digital in general. Um, uh, you can see a way of uh, expanding uh, geographically. Uh, the Chinese market is going to be probably the dominant market in the world. They have over 1,000 museums now. There are some amazing statistics. Over more than 100 museums are opened every year now in China. Um, China is going to be by far probably the largest uh, uh, art market in the world. So the question is, what will be the nature of the competition there? And uh, so I think it's, it's going to be an. Uh, I think it's a great move. We'll see some exciting, new, innovative uh, strategies, not only in terms of technology, but also approaches, business models, uh, geographical location, new expansion to other product and services. Uh, so I think should be fun to watch the, what's happening in the art market now. Sotheby's is such an interesting business with their glamorous catalogs and just the theater of the auction and the selling of these coveted luxury goods. Given your area of expertise in marketing, in this new phase in their company where they'll be privately held, do you think this is an opportunity to really evolve their marketing strategy? Uh, marketing and business strategy, I think the two are highly kind of uh, related. You cannot really separate them. Uh, and uh, I think the, the, the demand today of uh, consumers worldwide in all areas is for more experiential kind of uh, product and services. And how do you focus on creating exciting experience? And I think that we'll see it. We see it already in, in terms of... Uh, some of the uh, exhibitions that you have at uh, Sotheby and uh, Christie's are quite amazing in terms of they're almost like museum shows. And I think you'll see more of them and in getting more people involved uh, with them. Uh, so I think uh, this is really a great move, uh, not only uh, for the shareholder in terms of the price they got, but I think it's a great move in terms of the value to the art-loving public. And we often talk about the art world and the art market here on the podcast. But you released a book earlier this year that I wanted to discuss with you, Can Art Aid in Resolving Conflicts? I think it really touches on some of the different ways art can impact people and cultures and society. What are a couple of the most notable examples of when art played a role in resolving conflicts or building bridges among opposing groups? Well, the most uh, prominent case, uh, the one that actually prompted the, the book, uh, is the case of the Guggenheim Bilbao. So as background and the link to the kind of the concept for the book, uh, I ran in Israel a few years ago a conference uh, on uh, the power of art. It was part of uh, the Ertelia Conference, which is a con adult conference by the IDC, which is a private university, not-for-profit in Israel. And they're looking annually at um, national strength uh, of the country. And uh, my point was that 
art should be included as uh, one dimension of national strength and security. Uh, just think about it in terms of uh, how some of the Palestinian art has been portraying, you know, the you know the the poor Palestinian versus the cruel Israelis, and they've been scoring globally uh, on the propaganda side because of this. Uh, so we had a session on the power of art, and I invited uh, Tom Prince, who was the uh, director of the Guggenheim for many years, and he initiated the Guggenheim Bilbao. And he told the story that uh, before the Guggenheim Bilbao, there was a lot of killing uh, in the Basque country. And uh, when uh, the Guggenheim Bilbao was built, uh, all the killing actually stopped. And partly it was because of the smart strategy they did, not only build the museum, but guaranteeing the, the museum will have uh, a third or close to a third will be Basque artists, about a third will be uh, Spanish artists, and a third will be international artists. And in addition to this, they offered uh, to display and show Basque artists in New York, in Guggenheim, New York, and in other Guggenheim museums around the world. And suddenly the, the Basque People had a place to um, to show their art, to have their voice heard, and uh, the impact was the stopping of the killing there. So this was such an impactful story that it kind of motivated my call to Noam Latar, uh, who is the dean of the School of Communication at IDC, uh, to sponsor to launch the book. And what we did is we had a call to over 100 artists, curators, uh, directors of museums around the world uh, and asking them the question, do you believe that art can solve conflict? Uh, and if yes, give us examples. And uh, we got almost every single one of the people we approached uh, agreed to contribute. And the book is really a compilation of the entries of the different artists, directors, curators, uh, even some musicians who responded to this with examples. So there are a lot of examples in terms of uh, the power of art to lead to conflict resolution. And we did some analysis, obviously, of all the, the reasons. What are the reasons behind it? When you think about it, it makes sense. Um, art really enhances people's ability to listen, to observe, uh, and uh, it's really key in trying to deal with any type of conflict. You better listen to the other side, better understand it. And uh, there is an interesting example on the power of art in enhancing people's ability to see, in a sense, a new way of seeing. And it started actually with a study at Yale Medical School where they uh, took a group of medical students and uh, gave them art appreciation course. And the control group did not take the art appreciation course. And the result of this experiment was that the students who took art appreciation course had in significant improvement in their diagnostic ability. So as physicians, they were able to diagnose uh, the situation much better than those who did not have the art appreciation. Uh, clear evidence of the fact that uh, art can enhance uh, the observational ability of the people. 
this was replicated uh, in Philadelphia by the uh, University of Pennsylvania Medical School in collaboration with the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And here we found not only confirmation for the Yale study, but we found another finding, a very important one, that the, those medical students who went through art appreciation course enhanced their empathy for their patients. Uh, and again, empathy for the patients or empathy for the other side in a conflict situation are really key to their ability to resolve conflict. Wow. Yeah, I think we really, it's important really not to lose sight of the power of art and how much of a positive influence it can have on all of us. So the book really discusses several different ways, right, throughout history um, in terms of how arts played a role in resolving different conflicts. Well, it primarily represents the current examples of over 100 artists, curators, directors, and the examples that they selected to try to show you know, kind of how art can resolve conflict. It has an introductory chapter that talks about kind of the little historical perspective of the topic, and then has a concluding chapter that tries to analyze, so what have we learned from all these various hundred plus entries? And the, the points that I mentioned to you in terms of the uh, ability to listen to the other party, to have empathy to the other party, ability to see differently. Uh, all these are some of the attributes and the characteristics uh, of art that can help it in resolving conflict. In general, we can actually look, and again, congratulations on running this podcast, uh, because I think uh, the message should be art really matters. Art has an impact. And it's more than just the aesthetic, you know, kind of beauty or, you know, I look at a piece of art and I enjoy it. Uh, art really can have a major impact on people's lives. It's the power of art. Art can help, you know, kind of not only in resolving conflict, but art enhances creativity, those involved in this. So I think congratulations to you on um, having the podcast and the focus on art and its power. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you to say. Jerry, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and helping us really understand Sotheby's going private and what that's going to mean for the auction house and the broader art market. We also appreciate you chatting with us about your book, Can Art Aid in Resolving Conflicts? I think it's a very important book, and it reminds us how impactful art can be. If our listeners want to check out the book, where's the best place to buy that? Is Amazon the best place? Yep, Amazon will be the best buy. <laughs> Perfect. You can Jerry, also get it directly yeah. from the publisher, but Amazon will be a great place. Super. Jerry, thanks so much again. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Adam, for inviting me. And all the best.